0: All right. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Matt. And thank you, Zeke. Those are the uh, other five names in the building right now, and I'm thankful for them. Every single one of them are engaged. Church, it's just a reminder that um, it takes a lot to be able to pull off a service, and I'm so thankful that uh, these gentlemen are here and have been here um, this morning, and uh, I know that you're thankful as well. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible Bible and turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. When you get there, you can go to verse 1. You can find that. I was getting ready to tell you if you want to have that in your pew Bible. Perhaps you've taken the pew Bible here from the church. And if you have, then it's on page 1183. If not, then you're going to have to find it in your Bible right now all by yourself because I can't tell you the page number in your Bible. What I can tell you is that one of the things I mentioned in email is we're back in Luke chapter 4, and we're preaching our way through the book of Luke, but my plan was this week to take a one-week break and to do Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, which is today, but we have uh, desired to make sure that it gets its proper due, and so we have moved that as I've shared earlier this week to next week, January the 28th. So for this week, we are in Luke chapter 4. And in just a minute, we will stand and read verses one to thirteen. Did a little research this week about um, reading about novels, about the greatest literary works of all times. And and when I look at that list, I haven't read very many of them. I looked at the top ten, and I think I've read three of them. I've read Hamlet. I've read uh, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. I've read The Great Gatsby. Um, I think I probably fell asleep during War and Peace, Uh, but when you look at other books like that, Anna Karenina, War and Peace, the, uh, the, uh, the stories of Anton Chekhov in Search of Lost Time by Marcel Proust, these are considered the 10 most impactful literary works today. And it's an interesting thing that I found when looking at the list of literary works that all of them are fiction. And in order to go down the list, you have to get to number 33 before you find the literary work, the first one that is not fictional. You see, so after number 32, The Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, and before number 34, Pale Fire by Vladimir Nabokov, at number 33 in the greatest literary works of all time is a book called The Bible by God. And we understand that the Bible contains two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, 66 individual books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. There are a total of 1,189 chapters, and there are 31,173 verses. And dependent upon your translation, there are 770,430 words. Now, I don't know if you've read War and Peace or The Great Gatsby or Lolita, but I do pray that you have read number 33, the Bible, by God. I also hope that not only have you read it, but that you, have, that you allow, actively allow this book to lead you and to guide you as you live. Now, you know, we as Southern Baptists, we have what is called our... Uh, Baptist Faith and Message, and I wanted to share with you just a reminder what it says about the scriptures about God's holy word. This is a quote from the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It says, the holy Bible was written by men, divinely inspired, and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of this divine revelation so god's word is important so i'd like to stand well i'm already standing and i'm not sure if you're going to stand in your house but isn't it amazing how we get jordan thank you so much for standing back there i just want to let you know and thank you zach for standing and kenny's already standing so we church we're standing here i don't know if you're standing there or not but luke chapter 4 let me read the first 13 verses it said then jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time." Thank you so much. You three gentlemen in the room can be seated at home. Make sure that you get good and comfortable. You've got a good opportunity to take notes here. There's going to be a lot of scripture that I'm going to be throwing your way. But I want to start with this week I have been tempted. A temptation as we have discussed before as God's word teaches us is an opportunity to move away from God. Temptation is Satan's greatest weapon to defeat the Christian. As I have studied and prayed through these scriptures this week, I have been reminded of just a few things. One, temptations are real. Now, I don't know about you, but perhaps I do because you're a person just like I am, but most likely this week you have been. Tempted. You've been given the opportunity to move away from God, and it is my hope and it is my prayer that you have withstood and resisted that temptation, that you have not allowed yourself through choice to be moved away from God. But temptations, number one, are real, and we will face them daily as we seek to live for God. Number two is when we sin, Psalm 51 4 says, We sin against God and only against God. Now, if you believe that Scripture is true, and I do, and that God is teaching us something, when we sin, we don't sin against one another. We sin against God. What we do is hurt many times one another, but it is our failure before God that is primary. Temptations are real. When we sin, we sin against God and only against God. And my sins... If I give in to temptation, will find me out. Numbers 32, 23 says this. You have sinned against the Lord, a reminder of Psalm 51, and be sure your sin will find you out. Have you ever thought that you can live in a way that nobody will know? That you have this ability to be secretive and to get away with things, and nobody's ever going to know. Well, this week I was reminded of a couple of opportunities where it's just not true. I've been in the office every day this week. Part is because I probably am just here too much. Second thing is, is I probably just wanted to get out and check on the roads and be ready to help my church family. But I've been here every day this week. And on Monday when I left, Angela looked at me and she said, Text me when you get there. And so I drove into the church on Monday morning, and we were having some heat problems, and I walked in the church. It was cold, and I went into fix-it mode and talked to Leslie mode and tried to get everything going mode, and I didn't text Angela. And I don't know, an hour and a half later, she texted me. She said, are you there yet? And that was my reminder and my opportunity to apologize for her. So the next day, on Tuesday, I'm coming into the office, And I'm going to text her, because it's on my mind. Don't forget to text Angela when you get there, when you get there, when you get there. Well, as I pull into the parking lot, I hear my phone buzz, and it's Angela. And she says, I know you're there. I just saw you on video. And I'm going, interesting. How did that happen? Well, it turns out that Shelbyville now, and uh, David Thomas has been driving around Shelbyville about every day this week, showing people the roads, and it just so happened On Tuesday, at the time that I was pulling in the church parking lot, Shelbyville Now and their video was driving down this way, and sure enough, I went and checked the video, and it shows me pulling into the church. And I'm going, huh, awkward. Of all these times to be seen, there it was, and Angela knew I was at the church before I was at the church. You're going, hmm, nobody knew that except there it was. Well, later in the week, I think it was Friday, I uh, uh, conspired with a church friend, and we went to um, scrape the parking lot and clean the parking lot of first choice, and uh, we did this, and it was a bit of a secret. I didn't let Angela know that we were doing it, and so we were doing this, and then I didn't check my phone, but I know that there are, are... The ability to see what's going on around that building. They have security just like we have security outside. And it's an interesting thing. When I get in my car after being done, because I didn't have my phone with me, she said, what are you doing? You need to stop that right now. And she had seen us, even though we were doing something secretive, she had seen what we are doing out there. And I was reminded at least twice this week that you're always seen. You're always recognized. And I was reminded again, something that I have said probably a thousand times, and this becomes a thousand and one. Church, it matters how you live because I've been reminded this week, scripture says my sins will find me out. There is no secret place in my life. And I've been reminded twice that even though I was doing something, I was caught on video in two places doing what I was doing. Now I'm thankful that I was doing the right things and the good things in those moments. Temptations are real. When we sin, we sin against God and God only. My sins will find me out. And then the fourth thing is, you don't have to sin. And we'll discuss this a little bit more in today's message. So let's look into our scripture for today. We're in Luke chapter 4 and looking in verse 1. It says that Jesus was filled and led by the Holy Spirit. From the holy experience of his baptism, if you read this, we, Jesus has just been baptized in the Jordan River, and he is immediately led into the wilderness. But he does not walk into this time of temptation empty-handed. Scripture tells us that he is filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 says that this Jesus, being filled and led by the Holy Spirit, is led there to be tempted by the devil. Now, just a couple of things that I want to remind us of. Jesus was not tempted so that God the Father could le- learn anything about his Son, for God the Father had already given Jesus his divine approval. If you look back in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, as Jesus was being baptized, God the Father said, as the Holy Spirit descended, and as Jesus came up out of the water, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was tempted not so God could learn about him. Jesus was tempted so that every creature in heaven, on earth, and under the earth might know that Jesus is the conqueror, the redeemer, the savior, that Jesus exposes Satan's tactics and that Jesus has defeated Satan. And because of Jesus' victory in this time of temptation and in the life that he lived, we also can have victory over the tempter, over Satan. You see, Jesus' temptation prepared him to be our high priest. Now, you want to make a note right here. I'm going to Hebrews. I'm going to read from two places in Hebrews. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 2. Let's start there. Hebrews chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 16 to 18 of Hebrews chapter 2. Picking up in verse 16 says this: For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he this is God does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had that's Jesus had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Also in Hebrews, just flip over to chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Church, what that says is we do have a high priest that does sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was not tempted so that God could learn about him. Jesus was tempted to show us how victory was possible. Jesus, church, was tempted For you. What Jesus went through in those 40 days. He went through for you. And if we can learn from Jesus. How to approach temptation as Jesus did. We too have the opportunity to be victorious in times of temptation. And I know or I know in my life. That I have not always been victorious over sin. And Jesus has taken care of that. But he can cause us to be victorious in the days ahead. So verse 2 goes on to be tempted by the devil. James chapter 1, verse 13 says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Church, we need to understand that the definition of a temptation is an opportunity to move away from God. And God will never Create an opportunity in your life to help you move away from him. God has done and continues to do everything in your life to bring you to him. So so when we are tempted, when we are given an opportunity to move away from God, it is not God doing that. God will never do that. It's Satan. Scripture tells us being tempted by the devil. Now look at verse 2. For 40 days. Note that he, Jesus, was tempted for 40 days, Scripture tells us, without food, and when those 40 days had ended. Verse 3 goes on to say, and the devil said to him. Now understand that when we get ready to talk about, and the devil said to him, that means everything we're getting ready to talk about has occurred after these 40 days. So Jesus has already withstood 40 days of temptations. But there were three additional ones called out by God for our learning. And see, sometimes we have to theologically look at this and understand that, you know, Hebrews tells us and Scripture tells us that Jesus knows the temptations that we face. And you're going, well, Jesus only faced three temptations. No, we need to understand that Scripture says in the book of Luke chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted in various ways for 40 days And then after those 40 days had ended, Satan brings these three specific temptations to Jesus. And I believe that God always has a purpose for what he tells us and how he reveals himself in Scripture. And so these three additional temptations are called out by God for our learning. Look at me at verse 3 as we walk toward. It says, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God... Now, church, we need to understand that Satan is not questioning whether Jesus is the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, it would be better for us to use the word since. Since you are the Son of God, which is a really cool thing. It means that Satan is admitting in Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God, that he knows who Jesus is, he knows the position that he holds in this world but yet temptation comes after him. Satan cannot do this. It's important for us to understand also that Jesus faced the enemy as a man, not as the Son of God. If we're not careful, we will think, as I mentioned in a sermon not long ago, that what Jesus went through is not the same as what we went through. But we need to understand that this scripture helps us understand that Jesus went through this as a man. Remember, he's been tempted for 40 days. He is hungry. He's facing these challenges, but Satan goes on to tell him and he says, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be bread. And you're going, so Jeff, you were saying that Jesus went through this temptation as a man. Yes, because Satan's very tactic in this temptation is to get Jesus to use his supernatural ability of being God to create To turn a stone into bread. That is the exact thing Satan wants him to do, wants Jesus to do. Jesus used the same spiritual resources in this temptation that are available to us today, available to me, and available to you. And we were told that in verse 1. Jesus used the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Verse 3, Satan says, Command these stones to be bread. Temptation, church, involves the will. And Jesus was committed time and time again, Scripture records, that he was committed to doing the will of his Father and only doing the will of his Father. Satan reveals his strategy, and we are giving this strategy in the Word of God. So I'm going to go another place in Scripture. If you're making notes, write down 1 John chapter 2, verses 15-15. And 7 through 17. Let me read this. First John chapter 2, 15 to 17. As we understand Satan's strategy, First John chapter 2, picking up in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Did you notice that John tells us in 1 John chapter 2 in these verses that temptation stems from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Satan wants Jesus to turn these stones into bread because Jesus is hungry. We are told that. Satan wants Jesus to put his physical needs... Ahead of his spiritual needs. Church, that is the number one strategy. Lust of the flesh. Let me make this simple statement. Every time you or I choose to meet a physical need ahead of a spiritual need, we sin. Now you have to recognize... Meeting physical needs is not a sin, but when you're meeting a physical need and it creates a spiritual problem, then you sin. And Satan is trying to get Jesus to utilize his supernatural power, which would then cause Jesus to not appear to be all man, which would cause Jesus to not be an effective high priest for us, the lust of the flesh. When we allow our circumstances to dictate our actions, Instead of following God's will, we sin. Have you ever justified a decision that you've made because it met a need? Likely. But here's the challenge we need to face. When you choose to meet a physical need that then runs against a spiritual principle, you have sinned. Jesus recognized this. We are learning this from that. Remember, every time you are tempted, it is not God's doing. Let me take us back to the book of James. Now, again, you can make this note right here, but in James chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 16 says, "'Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. "'For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. "'But each one is tempted,' when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Church, you will be tempted. But you do not have to give in. You do not have to give in ever. And you're going, Jeff, you mean that I can choose in every temptation situation to not give in to sin? And the answer is yes. First Corinthians chapter 10, 13. This is one of my favorite verses ever. It says, no temptation has taken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Now, this is one of the misquoted scriptures a lot, how God will not put more on us than we are able to handle. That's not what this scripture says. That is not a true depiction of scripture. What it says here is that God knows our limits and will with the temptation that he is not causing, that Satan is, he will provide you a way of escape every single time. And you know what the way of escape is? It's allowing you to get out of the trouble. This way of escape is God saying, I can give you the ability to not sin, to not fail in this moment, that you may be able to bear it, that you might be able to succeed through it. So, church, we need to understand that when we sin, we sin as an actful, as a willing action that we choose. Sin is a choice that we make. And Satan is trying to get Jesus to make that choice using the lust of the flesh, the fact that he is hungry. So we see Satan's strategy. Let's see Jesus' response. If we are going to overcome temptation and live righteously before God, we must do what Jesus did. And look what Jesus did after this temptation in verse 4. Jesus says, it is written. That's it. The answer to withstanding temptation is it is written, is allowing turning to God's word, allowing God's word, knowing God's word, quoting God's word, allowing that to be that authority that we allow our life to be lived upon. This is the key to a successful life. It is written. Verse 4, Jesus says that we are to live by every word of God. And right now you might be as maybe I was really. Is it really just that simple? Is there no more to it than that? Jeff, you're saying that God's word will help with being led by the Spirit and knowing God's word, we can resist temptation. I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. God's word said that. And church, we are learning how to fight the battle of temptation through Jesus' example. So let's look at the second temptation back to Uh, Luke chapter 4 verses 5 to 7 we're told about the second temptation says that Satan takes Jesus up onto a high mountain and he shows him everything that's going there and he says that if you will worship me you can have it all Satan claims in these verses to have an authority that he does not have he promises glory that he cannot give Satan claims ownership, but actually owns nothing. It is God, Scripture teaches us, only that has authority, glory, and ownership. And God the Father has given all of that to the Son of God. If you'll recall from 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17, we talked about the lust of the flesh, temptation number one. This is now the lust of the eyes. Jesus is shown Look and see everything. And if you will but worship me, I will make it all possible for you. Lust of the eyes. Verse 8, Jesus' response. Get away from me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus knew and Jesus understood the word of God. He knew God's plans and God's purposes, and he knew that in time, all who seek and serve God and follow his word will be glorified in heaven. Church, can I tell you that there are no shortcuts to the will of God? If we want to share in his glory, Scripture teaches that we must share in his suffering. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this, 1 Peter 5, verse 10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Have you ever gotten to the point in your life where you were settled? Do you know when you get to that point of being settled, you can't be moved off? And Scripture is teaching us that the way for us to be settled is to trust Jesus know the word, and then allow him to lead and guide us. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And here's the third one. Go to temptation uh, 3, verses 9 to 11. Says that he takes him up on a high pinnacle, and he tells Jesus, he said, throw yourself down, and he quotes scripture. If you look in verses 9 through 11, Satan actually quotes scripture from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. It says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, verse 10. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Again, Satan is calling on Jesus to set aside his his worldly man temptations and to take up his supernatural abilities. But what Satan has failed to do is quote Scripture in its entirety. So what I want to do is I want to go back to you. I'm going to read I'm looking up Psalm 91, and I want to read the exact Scripture so that we can see an opportunity here. In Psalm 91, I'm going to read verses 9 through 12, which incorporates these, uh, this statement. Look at verse 9, Psalm 91.9. 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now did you notice in that that Satan failed to mention, when he was quoting scripture, the in all your ways? When a child of God is in the will of God, the Father has committed to protect him in all his ways. Satan is pulling Scripture out of context. And so do we when we separate Scripture from Scripture. One of the things that I like about doing uh, expository preaching is, is we just keep pushing through the Word and allowing God to teach us as He chooses to teach us as He was revealing it to the writers that He gave us His Word from. We don't get to pick and choose. And I've also encouraged you, as I need to do myself too, don't just read this scripture, go back and get a running head start into it, and then stay a little bit afterwards so that we make sure that we keep scripture in context. Because if Satan will pull scripture out of context just to make his own point, you know, we could. Do you know if you pick and choose pieces and parts of God's word, you can sew together an opportunity to do about anything you want to. We must keep scripture in context and not separate it from itself. And in verse 12, Jesus says in response to this um, challenge that he is facing, he says, it has been said i'm in verse 12 which is similar to it is written you shall not tempt the lord your god that is actually a quote from deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16 jesus is responding and linking scripture together we must stay church with all scripture we we want to teach and learn old testament and new testament we want to come all the way through we do not want to pick and choose Satan is tempting Jesus to force God's hand to see if God will save Jesus from death. The strategy of Satan here is the pride of life, getting Jesus to take control of his own life. Jesus chooses to trust God's purpose and timing. Have you ever chosen the pride of life? Have you ever chosen to take control of your own direction, of your own future? Jesus did not. And his defense was the word of God. Now, look at this church. Verse 13, Jesus has come through these final three temptations. And it says, then the devil departed. Look at verse 13 there. Then the devil departed. Jesus had resisted Satan and Satan left. But go on to verse 13. It keeps going until. Until Satan left Jesus in that moment, but was already planning to make another run at Jesus. He was just waiting for the right conditions. And I can tell you this from personal experience, and you can probably agree from personal experience. When you are tempted and you give in, or when you are tempted and you resist, that doesn't end the temptation. Typically, temptation comes back and comes back and comes back. And Satan is going, Jesus, today you did not give in, but I will continue to tempt you in the hope that you will take up your godness and stop being this example for men and this strategy. Satan was going to tempt Jesus again. Church, can I tell you, you're going to be tempted again. This week I told you I was tempted. And I'd like to think that now that I've passed that temptation, I don't have to worry about that temptation again. No, the reality is is that I'm going to be tempted again. And you are going to be tempted. Our question is not, are we going to be tempted? Our question is, is, in the face of that temptation, are we going to be victorious or are we going to give in? And Jesus has laid out the example for us today that we must know the word of God And we must obey and apply the word of God. God's word can bring direct results in your life. Do you know that when you study God's word, God's word brings salvation, growth, boldness, guidance, power, conviction, fellowship, cleansing, victory, success, satisfaction, joy, life, wisdom, warning, and great reward, just to name a few. The Bible also shows us God's character, teaches us to imitate God and discover the next steps for our lives. God's word is the final authority in all things, or at least it should be. Church, I'm afraid as I stand here before you this morning that I don't always spend enough time in God's word each day. I'm afraid that you do not spend enough time in God's word each day. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every, God, every good work. If we do not know the Word of God, if we do not follow Jesus' strategy in the Word of God for fighting temptation, we will fall and we will fail, and our lives will not be what God intends. And as we begin to head toward the end, what happens if we each committed to making God's word the authority of our lives? In all things, we know the word of God and allow it to be the decision that we make for our lives. Well, I believe the scripture teaches that we'll grow stronger, that we'll be more obedient and that our lives will be changed for for Jesus, and that the lives of people around us will equally be changed because of the impact of that. And the holy word of God can take its rightful place as the greatest literary work of all time. I close with this last verse, Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. God is telling us that His word that He has given us so that we can know Him can also be that authority and help us live our lives in a way that is pleasing to Him and that will make it fulfilling to us. And that's my desire personally and that's my desire for you as well. It matters how we live. And Jesus has taught that if we will know His word and then allow that word to to be the guide of how we walk each day and the decisions that we make, that he will be honored and glorified and that our lives will be more full. Now, I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me and challenging to me to know that in just a minute when we all log off, temptation's going to set in, but God has given us through his word the ability to look for that way of escape. Church, I encourage you, spend time in God's word, know God's word, trust God's word, apply God's word, and then we will see victory because that's what God has promised if we stick to the the strategy that he has provided when temptation comes our way. I pray this week between now and when we see each other that you will consider this, that you and the Lord will have good time together with one another and uh, that you will make decisions that bring glory to him and uh, will bring great uh, obedience and success in your life. So I'm going to take time now to close us in prayer, and then after that, uh, you'll be dismissed. I am so glad that you have chosen to be here. And uh, if you're here for the very first time, I'm thrilled that you have been here and pray that you've been encouraged and challenged by the word of God as well. Church, let me uh, close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. How, Father, you give us your word so that we might know you. You give us your word so that we might uh, know our need for a savior. You give us your word, Father, so that we might be able to live our lives in a way that pleases you. And, Father, today we talked about how you give us your word so that we might know how to fight temptation and not give in. Father, I pray that you will help me and help my family at First Baptist, Father, to desire to live a life that is glorifying to you, trusting you. Father, and may we sin less this week because your word has taught us how to fight temptation. And we pray all of this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.